This is Audio Diaspora, a series of conversations with creators from across the Black diaspora who are telling their stories, our stories, in their way, no matter what those challenges are. I'm your host, Christabel Insiabwedi. Now, on today's show, we are going back to the UK and we are speaking with Tina Wunzawabaya. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> I got it, people, I got it. If you know <laughs> how I was practicing uh, before we got on the show... And I don't mean it in that way, but you know, when your last name is in Siabwedi, you really, really, really want to make sure that you get uh, other people's names right, because we all know how that feels. And maybe we'll get into that uh, part of the conversation after we talk about your show, Black and Raw. So, sir, over to you. What is your podcast about? So, uh, thank you very much, Christopher, for having me on the podcast. Um, so, in terms of Black and Raw, it really sort of birthed out of a place of, as a kid, I never, you know, felt black enough for my white friends. And I grew up in sort of white dominated spaces. And, you know, then I was also a bit too white for my black friends. And there was always that sort of juxtaposition of like, okay, where do I belong? Like, I know I'm black, but like, I, I also sort of can exist in two worlds. Um, but I don't know if I ever existed in both worlds comfortably. I don't know. I don't know. It was a bit hard for me. Uh. So as a child, I would have really loved to have had a podcast where you hear black men that are coming and talking about their experiences, talking about what it means for them to be a black man, expressing their masculinity in ways which not necessarily are always traditional. Um, I think that the traditional way of masculinity is sort of disservicing us as as men and especially as black men, because I think the expectations are so high and maybe unreachable that we're not we're not necessarily allowing for the nuances in between. It's like you have to be this, you have to be that. Whereas, like, listen, at the end of the day, the world is going to look look at you like a black man. Right. So Mm. just live what that is for you because there's no right way of doing it. And that's really what I wanted to share with Black and Raw is that there are so many ways for you to be a black man that it doesn't matter what everyone else says. It only matters how you live your life. Um, so that's, that's where that birthed out of. There is so much to unpack there, right? Um, let's start with the genesis of it, which is this idea of you not feeling like you, you sat comfortably in, in, in the worlds that you inhabited. Right. Um, is this, this is, you know, you are, you are not alone in that sense. I'm wondering mm. if in your opinion, this is uh, a result of you. I'm wondering if this is a result of you because, you know, in the UK for, to give people context um, who are out of the UK, right. The black British community essentially is dominated by people from Africa and the Caribbean, right. Specifically. Um, And, and growing up in a, growing up in a, in a particular time, I'm I'm confident to say that I'm older than you, (laughs) but growing up (laughs) a, a particular time, like right now, if you see what's happening in the UK, like Ghana is ripping hard. Nigeria is ripping hard yeah, as well yeah, as yeah, like yeah, Jamaica yeah. And, and all of that. Right. So in terms of African West African voices specifically to, to be specific, we're hearing those voices full throatedly, very loud, very proud. And so there's a kind of like, there's an equity, so to speak, as much as there can be in terms of what that black British voice might look like. Right. But growing up, um, but prior to that, I think a lot of people, a lot of adults, um, 
may not have felt that because the voice of Black Britain, in terms of publicly at least, was presented as being Caribbean only. That was not the experience yeah. that we that we had, but um, that was often what the mainstream media kind of like would have presented, right? And if it was an if yeah, it was an African voice, yeah, and if it was a if it was an African face or African voice, you know, very unfashionable, very unsexy, very nerdy. It, it was you know, problematic. It was problemat- problematic on yeah. both sides. But I'm also wondering if, you know, you um, are of, you're Zimbabwean, right? You're a British man, yeah, black yeah, yeah. British man of Zimbabwean descent. And so this is a long way of me saying, do you think you being African of African descent in the UK may have played a role in that just in terms of what expectations may have been internally and you wanting to be cool externally? might have looked like do you think that might have played a role in terms of you not feeling comfortable so you know like i i came here when i was about like nine months old so i was born in zimbabwe Mm. um and so my parents came over here in 97 and then i came in no i was born in 98 so i Mm -hmm. think they went in 98 and then um left but it was quite interesting sort of growing up because i didn't necessarily know i didn't know my language shona um, mm-hmm. A funny story, actually, when when I was a child and I was here in England adjusting, I was speaking Shona and English, but not very well of each. And apparently there was a boy at school that couldn't understand what I was saying to him. I was probably mixing the two languages. Mixing everything up. Yeah. So I got told that, like, I sat on him and, like, dragged him across the room. <laughs> yes, I, I'm laughing. I shouldn't be laughing, but... <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I think there was a part of me which was like, okay, and my parents were like, listen, we're just going to teach you English. So mm. I think there was a part of me which sort of didn't always feel connected to my zimbabwean side of me and all my cousins, not, not all my cousins, but a few of my cousins also speak Shana as well. So it was like, there were people around me and I understand it a little bit, but I think that was maybe the start of that disconnection from home. And to, the re- the funny thing is at the end of the day, like Zimbabwe is my home. It's where I'm from. It's my bloodline. It's my skin. It's it's everything. But at the same time, I've lived in England for all of my life. And there is mm-hmm. a part of me that is British, like my accents, like my mannerisms, like the lingo that I use, you know, a, a lot of it is mixed up in all of that. So I think one thing which this place sort of this disconnection also came from was when I started reading more about black British history and how mm-hmm. Britain was involved in colonialization and slavery and all of that. And that just made me furious. That just made me really <laughs> angry and learning about the history. I was just like, how can I claim to be British in this country that's raised me? And then my country is in Zimbabwe, but I don't know anything of my country. Like I, I don't know enough to claim it to a certain extent. So I think those are sort of the parts in my lives where there's maybe a clash and other things where like kids are calling you coconut and you know right. you listen to jazz you listen to jazz music and you don't listen to J. Cole. Like there's those small right. things, but in terms of the bigger things, I think it's, it's so, a bit of it, those. Yeah, it's so interesting to me and, and I wanna stay there for a bit because what what you experience and what you talk about is not unusual, which is why I asked you that question in the way that I did, right? Um, look, I certainly relate to certain aspects of that, like that that decision of your parents, by your parents to 
teach you English because they wanted you to get ahead was a very practical decision, right? And they didn't realize what what mm. what kind yeah. of impact it could have had on you. Um, you know, my parents, I was speaking Ewe and Chi and English when I was three, right? But at some point that yeah. will change because my parents were like, we want to make sure that people know you're smart. And this is how racism works in this country. So, <laughs> so this is what we're going to do. Right. Yeah. So I can understand tree, but still like, if you ask me to speak it, like it's hilarious. I'm like, I'm just not going to do that. Sorry guys. Right. <laughs> I'm not going to embarrass myself today. I'm guys. not going to embarrass myself in front of you. <laughs> so let's not do that. <laughs> but the, and, and this, this idea of you kind of don't take it the wrong way, but as you're just describing this moment where you felt disconnected from both places, at one point I described it when I was kind of like thinking about it, not right now, but in, you know, a while back of feeling like you're in a no man's land. But at some point mm. you realize that it's actually not a no man's land. It's where you are, but you feel like it's just you because you're not finding other people who are like you. And certainly yeah. for, for, for part of the work that I, that I have done in the past and part of my motivation has been to find that tribe of other people who have felt that way. And I'm, I'm hearing some of that echo with you in terms of the work that you're doing, in terms of like broadening these ideas of what it means to be a black man um and in order to be more inclusive right that's that's kind of what i'm hearing and that's what i understand the pitch to be so as far as your the, the show black and raw is concerned and so i think that's all really powerful actually as a basis um and and an interesting an interesting jump off point and then you started this show in the pandemic right in the middle of the panorama yeah no at the start of the panorama at the start of the lockdown yeah, right. It was yeah, no, March. April. Yeah, yeah. yeah, April, yeah. I think I was I was definitely thinking about it before March. But yeah, no, I think yeah, <laughs> April was the first episode that was released. I think it was April 29th, maybe. Potentially. The point is, it was it was like early pandemic. So that means uh, I'm trying not to go back there because it's hard for everybody, but essentially yeah, you no had some time on your hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you had, you, you're trying to figure out what it was that you wanted to do, and you know, like Whoever's listening to this, I really urge you to go on to um, Black and Raw's website because even just like scrolling through some of the the topic areas, you know, guess shows talk about online racism, redefining success. You go into talking about Africa, AI, and global issues, um, and this one really got to, got me, which was you asked the question: Is racial passing a form of exile? <laughs> Which is really yeah. deep. <laughs> so you're you're covering these really, um, really. Uh, they're not in. They are intense, but that's not the word I'm looking for. Um, the questions, and that you're asking questions that people may not want to ask in public, <laughs> especially yeah. that last one that I gave you. And so, let's talk about like how how you you came up with the idea, but. When did you start broaching people about, I want to talk to you about this? Um, so in terms of, I guess, like how the podcast started, um, quite fortunately, my parents were able to get me a coach of someone that they knew, um, Coach Dummy for anybody. Um, absolutely great. But he was like to me, right, I want you to do a project that you're sort of passionate about. And the first thing I wanted to do was like a men's talk. I was like, right, I'm doing a men's talk. I'm going to do a men's talk on masculinity, like black oh. masculinity. What is it? Throughout the whole time, I was like, I want to do a podcast. I want to do a podcast. I want to do a podcast. So I was like, and I, I consume podcasts quite a lot as well. So it was sort of just quite a, a natural way 
for me in terms of to be able to um, talk to people and meet fascinating people and be able to have these discussions which sort of you know toe the edge of okay maybe people don't want maybe people don't want to address those questions because that then leads to actually we have to actually think about them we actually have to reflect on them um and i think i've just some i've been somebody that is able just to jump on a call with someone and be able to chat with somebody i'm I'm quite an extrovert so reaching out to people at first it was you know my dad was my first episode um, no what was that about Duke, <laughs> it was it was about him coming to the UK. It was about his life experiences in terms of coming to the UK and navigating that and how he found all of that and being a dad and um yeah, dealing with all the things he was dealing with. So quite I broad. really liked that episode. Yeah, because it, yeah. it was it was just me and him sitting in a room chatting and I found out so much more about him that I never knew before. There were some mm. stories which I did, but like he delved into a lot more and that was a really nice just bonding time with my dad but then also just sort of an exploration of fatherhood and you know i said Mm. at the beginning of the episode i was like this podcast would never literally be here if it wasn't for him like i i wouldn't be figuratively and literally yeah um so i've just been able to reach out to people and be like okay do you want to come onto my podcast like my second podcast was with somebody called aaron wallace who was um doing products for black men and now he's doing a face, uh, doing face skincare and all of that. And I just found his email, and I was just like, let me let me just drop you a message, like because I think a lot of the things which I'm in terms of looking at self improvement and just like trying to be my best self, people are just like, listen, you just got to put yourself out there, just drop a message. What's the worst thing that can happen to you? Someone says no, okay, it hurts. Don't get me wrong, and I haven't always been like this, but you know, I've had I've had so many people ignore my emails for podcasts, but the people that have, I've been all great, and I've loved chatting to all of them, and I've loved learning from all of them, and hearing their life experiences, and hearing how they have overcome stuff in their life. You talked about redefining success with Chris Martin. He was a D one college basketball player, and then he he didn't make it into he didn't make it into the NBA and then he had to redefine himself and be like okay what am I like I'm I'm still a person that is reliable I'm still a person that works hard you know I might not be a hooper anymore but I can go to the gym I can do fitness and then he was able to reinvigorate himself to then do personal training and you know work with athletes and all of those stuff so I've loved learning and just chatting to every person I know. So, and that's just my personality, to be honest with you. Like, I, I'm very chatty. <laughs> I, I, like, I like meeting new people. So, that's that's sort of how how that all works, I guess. Mm-hmm. What was your? Had you done podcasting before, or had you done any kind of audio creative project before? No, not really. But like I had always been, I'm always quite a creative person. Like when I was younger, I used to, um, I used to do guitar lessons and stuff like that. But I'd also write songs. Um, I had a proper like, um, sad boy like phase <laughs> where if a girl didn't like me, it's like writing a song about it. Like I love you so much and this and that. Um, but I don't know. You know, I'm, hold on, hold on. For all the samples out there, I'm not laughing at you. I'm just it's when you see the this individual in front of me, I'm like, okay. But you know, we we it's as in like I can't I can't connect the two, which is why I'm laughing. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> got it, got it. 
Yeah, no, honestly. I mean, when you you know, when you look back at yourself, you're like, oh, wow. Like, I yeah. look at some of the journals and notes that I used to make as a child, and I was like, nah, I was like, nah. whining over, man. Yeah. Like, nah, <laughs> it nah. was not that deep. We're just going to call it evolution. We're just going to call it, it's a journey that we all yeah. had to go through. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, no, so it was... Oh, I forgot what my point was now. But, <laughs> so that's my bad. Um, that's my fault. But I enjoyed that. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Um, well, no worries. I'm sure we'll, we'll get back to that. But, um, oh, I was asking you about your creativity and had you done a podcast yes. before and you said you're a creative person, um, but you'd never done a podcast before. So really the, the, uh, that question was actually the lead up to what was the biggest lesson that you learned in producing your podcast when you first started doing it? Oh, getting getting guests is hard. <laughs> yeah, thank Organ, you. Booking or, is no joke. <laughs> Booking is no joke because you got to work with people's schedules. Sometimes people don't see your email for a month or two or you have a one call and then it's like, oh, yeah, it's amazing. Let's get this episode done. And then it just doesn't happen. Like you're, you're trying to go back and forth. Um, so, yeah, guests. Yeah, booking guests. The recording and the editing part, I'd been so used to before. But um, the guests, that was hard. Mm-hmm. How did you keep it? Because you've done over 60 shows, probably more than yeah, that. Yeah, 70 today. 70 shows. How? So how have you kept it consistent? If booking guests is a, is hard and your show is reliant on guests as opposed to you talking, how do you make sure that you keep it consistent? And it's three shows a month, right? Yeah. yeah. So when I started out, I remember all the advice I was looking at and people were like, you know, usually everyone's putting out four episodes a week. So, no, a month, sorry. A month. So yeah. I was like, let me just do three. I think I can manage three. Because I'm like, the most important thing is just to sort of be consistent. And there have been times where maybe I've gone a, a few months. I think this only ever happened once where I've gone a few months without having an episode released. But that was also when I was completing my master's as well. Mm. So there was a bit of other extenuating circumstances there. Um but I've just tried to I've just tried to mix it up. If I don't have a guest one time, like there's there's a day the other day I talked about um the educational disadvantage for boys and men. Um yeah. it was a TED talk um by Richard Reeves actually. Um very interesting, very because it's it's basically saying that boys and men are falling behind girls and how is that gonna make our future look um really yeah. interesting so there'll be topics where i talk about that or like there was a the met police had a report which said that there was sexist home homophobic and racist so i did a little commentary on that i did a black british commentary as well so there's times where i just have to just get on the mic anything that i've seen and i'm just being like okay i don't i might not have a guest today but let me just talk about something which is impacting our society right now because at the same time I love those episodes that when I'm talking to a guest, um, uh, I think those sort of little episodes are definitely good just to connect with the audience a bit more for them to hear my opinion and views a little bit more. So yeah, I, I think that's, that's one thing I really like. So I think if I, hopefully one day um, I'm going to have someone that can edit podcasts and, you know, <laughs> help me with all this stuff. Um, right, there's a right. book I've been reading recently called um, Who Not How. Absolutely. Um, Get yourself a team. Yeah, exactly. So, and I think maybe then when I'll do four episodes a month, maybe that one episode will be 
whatever's happening in the world for the black community in that point. So it's still free guests, but then you get me. Got you. So yeah. So basically, you set a goal of of uh, four shows, uh, three shows a month, um, and you have stuck with it. You're like this, uh, and yeah. apart from the, that time when you were getting a getting your master's degree, because you know. But other than that, <laughs> you were like, "Yep, yeah, okay, I'm going to do that." I think that I think that's a really important lesson for creators to. We hear it all the time, but I think I I really try to impress upon people that I coach. Um, um, when, when they're looking at me and they're saying, well, how can I build my podcast consistently? It's like, and I have trouble with that too, right? Set a goal and just try and stick with it. You have to. And then within that, you have to plan. You have to do all these other things. So it sounds like that's what you've done. Um, and that that is part of the practical portion of how to be creative. Tune in to Audio Diaspora, the home of content creators and creatives from around the world. Today, we are exploring black masculinity. Keep it locked. So as I think about all of this, what genre does your show fall into? What genre does my show fall is into? It, is now, it like self-help? Yeah, is it like self-help? Yeah, a little bit, like a little bit of society and culture as well. Like mm-hmm. you, um, the episode where I was talking to um, Africa AI and global issues, that was actually my cousin who's came from Zimbabwe recently. Um, mm. He's became one of my best friends quite quickly. Mm. Um, and we we always have conversations about Africa and tech issues. And, and so, and I've got an episode talking with somebody that uh, ran for a, I think a Senate position. Um, a black guy in Atlanta. So okay. that so like I, and that was just a conversation about politics and sort of his experiences in them as well. So like yeah, it, there is a lot of self-help, but then at the same time there are things that we are touching on that is sort of society and culture. I feel like when we talk about society and culture, sometimes it's usually like what a celebrity doing. Mm-hmm. I think but then also it can be so broad it's like you know what are how can we destruct masculinity or you yeah know what I, mean? I mean you really like, you really you really get into it and i feel like at the heart of what you do because you don't just have the podcast but you host of there are events as well right yeah um at the heart of it are you trying to build community is this yeah you i i think i think i would say so like i that's that is sort of what i wanted it to be like i did wanted it to be a community and you know i recently you've done a whatsapp and discord as well trying to grow that um but it was really a place of where you can hear other black men talking Mm. about and being vulnerable about themselves and talking about important issues so like you can connect with them and then at the same time you can learn from them and we can all learn from each other um and that's sort of what i wanted it to be and just just a place where black men can be like I say be vulnerable with each other but also just have someone to talk to because I know for a lot of black men and a lot of men they don't have a lot of friends so Mm. or they don't have a lot of close friends and there's a Mm -hmm. there's a high suicide rate amongst Mm. older men um so that's something in which I think also because I've realized how important community and friendship has been for me that's definitely why I really want it for others um so yeah I've, I've sort of always joined communities whether that's been sports or whether that's been performing arts or um 
sports and performing arts are usually the two, but church as well. Um, mm. so, um, yeah, so yeah, that's yeah. So let's. I want to stay in the community part because that definitely has my heart. My heart. I mean, that's that's why we're talking today, right? Because I'm really interested in people who are redefining narratives about what it means to be black in the world, right? And you you do that, but also this idea of you building a community for for men to be vulnerable is really really key right um and so in terms of you you i guess what's interesting to me is that you touch on on topics and we established this earlier earlier in the conversation that might seem quite difficult right um so how have your guests and how have your community responded to the topics that you have brought up or even just to it, or even just the space that you have created for them to speak to each other and to you. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of for my guests, um, everyone who I've sort of ended up sort of getting off a call with or having a chat to, um, there's been a few who I've then ended up connecting with and doing other things with, but also just everyone's like, keep in touch. Like, let's, let's chat. Like, like everyone is sort of willing just to be like, I love your mission and I love what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's keep in contact. Let's keep in touch. Um, and it can be hard to keep in touch with all your guests, <laughs> but, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but it's, it's something which is like, I got an email from somebody who, I did a podcast with in Australia and he dropped me a message just saying, hello, how you doing? Mm. And that was really nice. And I responded back to him as well. So I think, I don't think it has to be all the time, but it can just be sort of just dropping in every now and then and just saying, how you doing? How are things going? Like, mm. and you know, sometimes you end up going to somebody when you need something. I feel like everyone knows when you go to someone, when you need something, but if you're just dropping a message every now and then, just like saying hello, checking in, like when you then maybe be like, yo, I want to do this thing with you. Like, they, they may be more likely to do it. And in terms of for people and for people that are in the groups and stuff, um, I think they've really enjoyed the conversations that we've had because some have been just men, just black men only, but some have also been sort of allowing women in it too because I really enjoy just having the male-only spaces because I think it's something that we need. But gaining the female perspective is so essential because the, there are male communities out there that you know, I'm, we're talking about incels that are sort of like just just men like I'm mm. sure there's other ones as well and they mm. don't get the female perspective in whereas I've really benefited from hearing uh, the female perspective from my mom or from my friends or from my sister like I think I have an understand I, as much as an understanding as a man could have for what women go through um, you know without being a woman so I think having them in those groups is really essential and that has really been able to broaden people's mind. And, you know, everyone comes from something with a different perspective. So those groups are really good. Um, Although the next one is about whether porn is destroying relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, And so my mom, my parents always come to my talks. They always support me um, and my aunts and uncles. And then my aunt was like... I was a bit saucy, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> and my mom was like I mean, do you really need to be talking about that? Yeah. And I was just like, it's yo, it's happening. It's, it's, it's real. happening. Yeah. yeah. So it needs to be discussed. So yeah. All right. So what do you, <laughs> I'm laughing at your parents be like, why are we doing this? No. Yeah. You're like, I mean, I mean, tell me, I love that your, your family come to these, come to these as well. And I love that really it's, you're creating a space for, for men to be, um, to be themselves, right, and and to and to feel safe in that sense. 
Um, what has been, I would love to know more about what the response has been within your communities and do people need to, is, is it as a community where people need to sign up and sign in or they, you just drop a, a link to, you know, the discord or the, the WhatsApp so that people can, can join? Yes. So like, say like if I have guests on, I'll usually invite them um, onto the group and onto the podcast, onto the the groups um but like say if you come to like one of the talks and stuff like that um mm. which they've just sort of been starting back up again um but say if you're coming back say if you come into a talk then i'll drop the links in there so you can go and check that out pornography is pornography destroying relationships um mm. why did this topic it, it, for fear it sounded like your parents and for anyone who saw the visual like he was kind of rubbing his forehead like i think that's how your your mom or your dad might have done that like why are you why are you focusing on this topic um you know what like we all know of children that started watching pornography from like eight, 10 12 13 um the the way it can change the patterns in your mind um uh-huh. and change your perception of women i think depending on the child obviously because i think there are some children that maybe start watching it young but don't wow. have negative views towards women or misrepresentations of what their body should look like uh-huh. but i think there are too many men um who that is happening to so then when they get into relationships they expect a certain something which is just not attainable for most for pretty much all women you know uh-huh. and instagram doesn't help and tiktok doesn't help and listen I'm, I'm i'm not saying that i don't do any of those things i'm just i just understand how it can be impacting relationships and so i think it's something where we need to discuss and like yo listen i I know some people say porn's wrong and stuff like this and that i I don't i don't i don't think getting into whether it's right or wrong helps the conversation because when you just add shame onto it right then then everyone shuts down yeah no no one wants to talk about something if you've been shamed for it right so I think we need to be able to talk about it without the shame and just be like, yo, is it, is it just, how is it affecting your relationship and how can that be tempered? How can that be managed? How can that like, because you can't get rid of porn, but how can we make sure that it's not impacting our children and our minds and our relationships? You said something really impactful there, which I don't think a lot of people, I mean, all of it's been impactful in terms of, uh, the top how you want to address the topic but this idea of how men view their bodies as well is i think people often don't realize that like it hadn't really Mm. occurred to me right that it's going to impact the way boys think they should look it's not a direct correlation but you're going to understand what i'm saying here in the same way that women talk about magazines and media impact the way that we see our bodies because you know if you're not like if you don't have like a gap in between your legs or whatever then you're fat which is nonsense and dangerous yeah, absolutely nonsense but in the <laughs> same way exactly but in the same way like if you know if you're watching porn and this guy is looking a particular way you know and is of a particular size let's be blunt if you don't yeah. measure up to that so to speak that's a whole that's a whole like you just ruin someone essentially. So how do you then come back from that? And then that also impacts, like you said, the kind of behaviors that you bring into your relationship. Um, so that's just, sorry, it was, it was just something that you said where I was just like, I wanted to get your thoughts on that yeah, because no, I hadn't, it hadn't I, even I, occurred an, to me. 
that's 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 an important thing to even mention to be honest with you because even when i was just thinking about it i didn't even thought of that because yeah as you said you see a, a big black guy with you know big he's stuffed like that you makes you think oh do i need to be like that like can mm-hmm. i can i satisfy a woman if i'm not like that and that can affect your confidence and then how you look yourself in the mirror and like the, the consequences could just keep rolling rolling and rolling mm-hmm. and rolling and so, even as you said that, even as you said that, you use the the phrase, the stereotype, a big black guy, right? Yeah, Which yeah. ultimately is problematic in so many ways because I think it just taps into um, the ways in which black men are pathologized which is what you're trying to deconstruct in your podcast, right? You're trying to say, no, 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 that's not what this is about. We come in all shapes, all sizes, where it's important that we are able to be ourselves and be vulnerable in these spaces, right? Yeah. And kind of and be insecure. Like, what have what is what has some of the feedback been? Obviously, I'm not asking you to to share what's been talked about in the in the relationships, but um, in your talks, forgive me. But like, what's been what's the feedback been like? Like, what's the what has the impact of your show been thus far? You know what I. I I can't lie to you. It's I think I get as as podcasters, it's sometimes hard getting feedback from people. Yeah, like and like they're they're there, they're listening, but they don't always say. Wow, it's a one way conversation. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, I I think from what I've heard in terms of like friends and family and stuff like that, it's like it's it's helped term in terms of breaking down these norms and these stereotypes and like hearing from different people i think mm-hmm. just has allowed them to have a different understanding of black masculinity um yeah. but I, like i can't lie to you like it's, it's <laughs> i can't say much on it because it is hard getting feedback back so no i may problem. just need to start asking people straight up like get a notepad just be like yo sit down with me do you know it listen i mean i have to do a survey or something but then yeah like, and, and I have to ask this because this is kind of where we started. How has that, and you have, you've alluded to it and you've kind of talked about it throughout our conversation. How has producing this show helped you, that boy who wasn't quite sure, you know, where he landed? You seem a lot, you seem a lot more confident these days. You know, I think that was a necessary part of everybody's journey. Who am I? Mm. Is essentially what you were asking. How has producing this podcast impacted you? That's a good question. I don't even. That that is a very good question, actually. Um, I think in terms of like all the people that I've chatted to, like I've Mm -hmm. I've talking to psychologists, I've talking to financial advisors, I've talking to CEOs of businesses, and talking to parents, talking to their teachers, talking to politicians and musicians and creatives, and I think I've just learned from everybody like this nugget here this nugget there like okay how can I be better with my own mental fitness how can I be better when it comes to my health like it makes me ask questions of myself a lot more and Mm. even at the end of my question at the end of my podcast I always ask every guest is like say if there's a young black boy listening to this conversation how can something that you know help him with an understanding of himself and Mm. when people are telling when people are telling me their answers I'm just like, yo, 
damn, I need, a, I need to remind myself of this. Like, mm. I need to question myself on this. So I think in terms of a lot of self-reflection, um, it's definitely helped. And I think sort of seeing where I want Black and Raw to end up being and to where it ends up going, I think seeing all these Black men that are being successful just makes me think, okay, I'm, I can be success, successful. I can actually go and do it. Like, um, And even just resources that someone told me about that who not how book mm-hmm. um other people have told me about other books that i've started to read so knowledge it's just knowledge really that's that's all i'd say it's just knowledge mm-hmm. and so then i feel like i should ask you that question what's the question that you ask your guests at the end of your show um if there's a young black boy listening to this conversation how can something that you know help them with an understanding of themselves i'm gonna distill that as what would you tell your young self knowing what you know now? Oh, damn. You know what? Sometimes I love being a guest because I don't have to come up with the questions. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What would I tell young Tino? Yeah. It's okay, lad. Like, you know, you, you might be, you know, you might be a little bit, you know what? Actually, I would have also, there's many things I would have told my younger self. One thing I Mm would have said is stay at the weight you are because you're actually not that big. But you are bigger than your friends, but you're actually not that big, like, in terms of weight right now. Um, But also understand that, you know, the girls that do reject you, it's fine. You're going to end up killing it when you're older. You're going to end up being more confident. You're going to end up being able to express yourself. Don't worry too much about how you're going to fund a life right now. You're just a kid. Like, worry about being, worry about your GCSEs, you know. Um, Just... Take more chances, take more risks as well. Um, I think as a person, I moved like, I think I moved like three, four schools. So I was always good at making friends, but like, I always wanted to sort of be a people pleaser and and keep that and keep that. So I knew everybody. I touched on everybody. Like everyone knew me. I wasn't popular, but I guess I kind of was popular because everyone knew my name, but I wasn't like super friends with everybody. Um, But yeah, I think I'll just say, just keep going, kid. Like, it's okay. It's all right. This is, this is right. life right now, but it's going to get better. Um, yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing that. That's all right. That's all right. That's all right. And on that note, <laughs> I want to say thank you for sharing that. Thank you for being a guest on the show, Tino. Tell us the name of your show one more time. Okay, can I want to? I'm going to tell you the name of the show, but I also want to ask you a question. I want to exchange a question from each of us. All right, go on then. Tell us okay. the name of your show so, first of all. Right, the Black and Raw Podcast. All right, cool. Shoot, go for it. So, Christopher, um, I I didn't get a chance to even try and pronounce your name. Um, how how do you say it? How do you say it for me? Insiabwedi. Insiabwedi. Uh huh. Okay. Does it have a meaning? In Sia actually is the number six. Okay. In Sia, in tree. Um, the Bwedi part, uh, I was given to me, well, it was given to my dad from his grandparents. So the meaning I can give to you is this. My dad was raised by his grandparents. So he took their name. And he loved them so much that he passed that part of the last name down to us. 
That's sweet. I really like that. Thank you very much. In terms of the word itself, I don't know. But in terms of the meaning, <laughs> in terms of the, the name itself, uh, that's that's uh, what that means. But I should probably find out what Boydi means. Uh, there's probably someone listening going, foolish girl, it means this. <laughs> I don't, I don't, that's, that's what it means. Um, but my, my name, Amma, which is my, my first name, I'm Amma Christabel. Um, Amma is the name given to a girl born on, on Saturday. I'm Amma Bwadiwa. That is when I had my outdooring. Amma Bwadiwa. So my dad okay. gave me that name. Oh, nice. All right. I like that. Okay. Um, I guess for me, so Tino Kuda means uh, we love you. So that's yes. from my parents. Um, Tondarai means remember where you came from. So my grandfather wanted me to have that, you know, to to remember I'm, I'm a Zimboy. These are my yes. hoods, these are my ends. That's right. And then Vunzawabaya means kill first, ask questions later. <laughs> Don't ask me why. Do not ask me why. <laughs> wow. But I will yeah. tell you it's funny. We thought like it meant in hunting terms. Well, we are. We're going to stick with that. But still, I kind of like the, the gangster level of that. It's just like, kill first, ask questions later. AKA, don't mess with yeah. me. <laughs> but I love how you go from like, you are loved to don't mess with me. I appreciate that. Yeah. You, it's full spectrum. Um, yeah. But I was going to say, your first name is beautiful. And I was going to say, you, you are loved. You are loved. You thank are you loved. very much. And I love that for you. Again, Tino, thank you so much for joining me. Everybody, listen to the podcast black and raw if you are in the uk or maybe not actually check out how you can be part of that community um i hope you and i can stay in contact sir definitely we definitely will yeah i've loved this i've actually loved this conversation so we've Aww. laughed a lot we've chatted a lot um, so yeah it's been good it's been good Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Tino Wunzabaya. He's the producer and the host of the Black and Raw podcast. Our production team includes Cerise Small, Larissa Witcher, and Eugene Kidd. I'm your host, Christabel Nsiabwadi. Thank you so much for listening.